Hello, I'm Henry. And I'm Maureen, Maureen Ekbe. And today we have Zahid Malik from Riz R Slash, who runs a self-managing organisation and has worked with Happy for many years. And I'll be talking to him about Maverick by Ricardo Semler, about um, uh, whether uh, workers should set their own salaries um, and all kinds of things. So tell me, Maureen, what has been joyful for you? Well, I was thinking about this and I had to go and look at my diaries, like what's happened this week? So thank you for the opportunity to actually take time and reflect on this. And um, what came up for me was a discussion that I had of an apprentice who's on our Global Majority Apprenticeship Programme. And she just, she shared with me um, a situation that happened in the workplace where she's now taken on a new role as a manager and she was all excited and just sent an email to the team. We're going to implement this new strategy and we're going to do this new process. And guess what happened, Henry? What do you think? What, what happened? Pushback. No. Because she was telling them what she wanted to do. Ah. And then she said to me, <laughs> she, it hit her. She sent an email and apologized straight away and acknowledged the importance of the team. And she wanted their feedback to discuss what how they could go forwards. So we sat and we celebrated this, <laughs> <laughs> this reflection, this insight. And it was that whole thing of acknowledging and valuing your team. So that really gave me joy to hear that. So what what was your joyful moment? Well, this uh, this morning I was speaking at the Hackney Social Founders Network, led by Carolyn Deal, and there's a whole range of, of founders there, uh, incredibly inclusive. There was uh, a jazz cafe where people pay what they want. There was somebody who worked in the pandemic and got 6,000 meals every day to people. Um, there, uh, there, there's, there's people who work with ex-prisoners who uh, reintegrate them into society. There's people who work with disadvantaged children to make sure that they get back into into society. Oh, it was just just amazing. Sounds awesome. What were you speaking about? I was speaking about Happy. Oh. As a founder. Wow. As a founder okay. of Happy. Okay, awesome. Awesome. That sounds But the other interesting thing was um one of the founders had a daughter there who and she explained how she used TikTok on her founders on the, the founders site. And I'm getting together with her to see if I can use TikTok. I think you'll be awesome on TikTok. <laughs> of all of those colourful shirts. Absolutely. Absolutely. It needs to be. The po- podcast is not good enough to show your shirts. You need to be on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll find out later whether, whether I get to use TikTok. Okay, so now over to Zahid Malik of Rizar Slash. So, Zahid, um, we've been working together quite a long time, haven't we? We first uh, got together over Maverick. Oh, this is going back to, I think, the mid-90s when I was an academic at Imperial College. I think I first heard of Ricardo Semler. I think it was a sort of a clip on the BBC, either news or a documentary about this sort of, uh, about his company called Semco. Um and then I found out that there was a book about that called Maverick by Ricardo Semler, which I bought and was sort of, you know, was blown away by it, really. I was amazed that you could um, that you could have a company that worked like this. Um, and the more I read about it, the more I became interested in business and sort of, you know, I, 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 was, I was doing sort of research at, at, at university, but 
it was in, in the electrical engineering department, but they always encouraged us to have an interest in business. And uh, we were always talking to companies, uh, yeah, electronic companies and so on. But I always imagined that business was sort of very, I guess, hierarchical, uh, very salesy. I mean, a lot of academics have a fairly, fairly poor, well, not that's unfair, but you know, quite a few academics have a fairly poor uh, view of, of businessmen and, and what they try to do. Um, but I was amazed in, in, in what was described in Maverick and how Semco worked on what seemed like completely unbelievable uh, and unconventional lines. <laughs> It certainly did transform uh, my business as well. It transformed Happy from being a, a micromanaging company to one that was based on trust and freedom. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, one of the sort of questions you sent me earlier is what, you know, how did it transform your company? Well, I didn't have a company, so it didn't transform the company at all. I just, it just made me want to start a company. Um, and that's, that's really one of the reasons why I thought, well, actually, do these companies really exist? So I tried to look because uh, I was deciding between academia or moving into some other. And I was always interested in technology. You know, we I'd set up some of the first servers of, on the internet back in the early 90s. Um, so, so yeah, it was always an interest of, of mine because I'd worked closely with computers for, for a long time. Um, and I thought it'd be great to set up a company uh, around technology, basically, and software. Um, but I couldn't find... Um, anything, any companies that we really talked about Maverick or Semler or any of the ideas, except for one called Happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was amazed to see that it was actually in London, you know, so um, I think I called you and, or sent an email and said, uh, I'd love to hear more. And, and that's how we, how we met. And that's um, how I started sort of thinking about how I could set up a company uh, with, with some friends to do, to sort of essentially do sort of software. But really try and apply uh, these uh, these principles that, that I was sort of reading about. And have you managed to apply them? I've tried, Henry, but oh God, it, what is it? It's now sort of 20 <laughs> odd years later and it's it's not as easy as it seems in the books as, as I've found. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few things, I guess, that it's, it's, it's easier to, to, well, you don't, you don't, you hardly need them when you're small. So when there's just a few of you, uh, you know, if it's sort of, hacking new styles sort of eating ramen and just building software in your in your sort of bedroom it's it's sort of you know you don't really need these principles that much you just work you know so tell me what riser does oh yeah sorry yes yeah. so um we're a software service provider for education and training so essentially we, we provide the software that helps organizations manage and run their assessments so exams practical exams uh workplace-based assessments and not just that, also sort of, you know, apprenticeships, continuing professional development and so on. And we started in the medical field. Um, so uh, a, a significant number of undergraduates say, in the UK are assessed using our, our software, um, as well as postgraduates in Royal Colleges in the UK, Ireland. Um, and we, all, we have offices in, in the UK, uh, Australia and Canada. OK, and t- tell us, based on Maverick, how have you managed to get out of the way as the founder? Okay, well, 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 COVID helped a lot. Uh, so, sort of, <laughs> um, I, I think what, what I kind of liked about what, what Ricardo Semler sort of described is that you know, he would often sort of get things going and then start stepping away once, once he sort of you know, started them. So I kind of took that sort of mantra to, to heart mostly, not, not always, but as much as I could. So I'd start something and then hopefully somebody else would, get interested and I'd start sort of walking away from it and, and letting those people uh, take it on. And I can honestly say for, I, I think, several years, I've not been involved in any 
real customer engagements with anything. You know, I don't, don't, I don't make those sort of decisions at all. Uh, uh, you know, I just focus more on the structure, the finance, uh, but the structure and what what we're trying to do and how we achieve it. But I don't get in the way of, of people trying to do any of those things. So, can you give examples of where people do have trust and freedom? So, our our idea is basically to have autonomous units, i.e., autonomous teams which are able to make as much decisions as they feel comfortable with. But if they really have issues and they can't decide, then they need more information either from HQ, as we call it, or they need to talk to other teams, which they obviously can. That's, that's sort of uh, straightforward. So with, within, within each of those units, they are free to decide on where to find new customers, how to service those customers, how to grow the accounts, how to support those customers, um, what, what we try and do is then provide uh, an underlying kind kind of layer which allows that they don't have to reinvent stuff. So they don't have to think about payroll or how to do sort of compliance and admin. So all those sort of systems are provided for them. But, but within those systems, um, and obviously, you know, how to communicate sort of our Slack channels and, 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 and sort of email and so on, that's all provided as well. Um, but within that, they are free to, to operate on how, uh, on the best way of servicing their customers and their markets. Because, you know, look, from the UK, we set up the Australia team from the UK during COVID. So that, that, was, not, that was not easy, but we just knew that as much as, you know, we speak the same language, but we're not Australians, so we don't know how Australians might think, how they might operate. It would make much more sense for those units themselves to be making as much decisions as possible. Um, so, so effectively... Each unit is free to make whatever decisions it thinks is right for their customers, unless it impacts other other units or centre or something like that, in which case they can then seek advice. So that's how we try and operate. Um, a long time ago, we were trying to figure out how to do profit share. You know, so 25% of the profit, when we make a profit, is divided uh, among staff. So we weren't sure what was the fairest way of doing that. You know, Should we, we, you know, we had, say, developers in... In Eastern Europe, you know, we had uh, people in London, we had people living in the countryside, we had people, you know, overseas. Uh, what What's a fair way of dividing out profit? Should we do it by percentage? Obviously, that favours people who earn more money. Um, should we do it by um, an absolute amount or should we do it depending on if you're a developer that's worth more than if you're a project manager? You know, all sorts of issues. And I remember my uh, co-founder and I, Mark, sat down and we took, going back and forth for quite a long time and in the end, I said, Marcus, there's never going to be a fair way where every single person is going to be happy with whatever formula we come up with. And it'll just be impossible. Uh, why don't we just say this? Every year, if we make a profit, we say, this is a profit this year. You guys and, and, and women uh, uh, decide on how you're going to divide this yourselves. You, know, you vote on it and the majority will go. So the, the first year we did it, they CC'd us in on all their email conversation, which did go on for quite a long time. <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite a quite an interesting discussion, you know, with with sort of developers sort of you know almost working out algorithms for why they they were they were more important than say project managers. So it, there's a lot of back and forth, you know, uh, and it went off a few weeks, and in the end they decided to divide it evenly by amount. It didn't prorot if you were part time or full time, but it was even by amount. Um, Wherever you were, uh, whatever you did, uh, it didn't matter. You know, you, you just divided it. The next year, <laughs> it took people a day to decide the same thing. And then the year after that, it was just same as last time. Yes, same as last time. So now we've effectively incorporated that and said, look, 
it, it's, we divide it pro rata evenly uh, by amount, uh, the profit, which seems to work well. You know, that sort of um, it means that we, we, we haven't had to fight and have issues and, and so on and try and work out some, some fair method. And in general, we don't seem to have any complaints about it. And, and, and that's, that's, quite, that's quite good because that means that people, your staff themselves are involved, whereas if, if you'd done it with Marcus... There would have been a lot of people probably weren't who weren't satisfied with it. Yes, we did try and let people set their own salaries. Um, I thought about it a lot, and I'd read a lot of sort of you know articles and blog posts about how you know it's great to let people set their own salary and and so on. And here's 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 what you should do. And so we tried an experiment, and we sort of got a group of I think it was about twelve people and said, look, you know, here's obviously we can't give more money than there is in the. In, in the in the budget, but here's here's effectively the uh, lump sum of money which will from which your salaries would be worked out. You know, for the next year, we sit together and we've got sort of you know we gave them guidelines. You, know, you can benchmarks. You can sort of you know here's a process that we suggest. You know, you discuss about what you contributed. You know, what you think you're worth, etc., etc. So what you might get in the marketplace. All these things that we read about which sounded great, and then work out what your salary should be, and. I thought about it quite a lot, and a few of my major concerns are I don't want to be the sort of organisation where office politics rules, um, hence the lack of hierarchy and uh, and having autonomous teams and so on. Uh, and I don't want to be the sort of organisation where it sort of rewards people to make it look like they're doing good work rather than doing good work. You know, so it's sort of you know, trying to avoid those sort of traps which I feel quite a few organisations fall into. But you know, the upshot was that we didn't get unanimous uh, agreement. So we abandoned that uh, and said, "Okay, that didn't work." Uh, and then I remember, I remember, I read you know, glowing blog posts about how this worked, and I remember ringing up a CEO of a company that came up sort of first or second on Google when you typed in self-set salaries. I said, "How did it go?" Because we 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 couldn't do it. He said, "Oh no, no, we failed as well." <laughs> Just said that we didn't. <laughs> so we abandoned it in the end. We couldn't. We couldn't. I said, "But you're still all over the internet, sort of talking about it." He said, "We should probably sort of." take those blog posts down or sort of date them but yeah so it that was an example which was we, we learned a lot we definitely learned a lot um and you know but it was certainly something it made me it made me realize that it's, it's much harder than it looks um and you do need help getting this stuff to work properly you really do and how has happy helped you on this journey well well first of all it's been great talking to you but it, it, especially in those days it was very difficult to find anyone who i mean everyone thought these ideas were were really quite crazy, didn't they? I mean, I think they did back in the mid '90s and early 2000s. It was sort of, you know, this is just nonsense. So it was actually wonderful to be able to speak to someone who'd actually been through it and and sort of understood what the issues were. Uh, we love the happy conferences, which are is that again, you're meeting a whole bunch of other people who who are thinking on similar lines, have had a lot of the similar problems, and sort of you know ideas on how to improve them and so on. Um, Quite a few people go on your leadership courses, and we love your coaching. You know, love Kathy Bassani, who sort of I don't know how many people she coaches from uh, in the company, but I think it's quite a few, including me, and, and they're invaluable. Because you're now you're now a very profitable company, aren't you? Yes, I mean that's almost by fluke rather than just design. <laughs> well, we you know, COVID was great for us because you know we. Uh, for years, we'd been sort of helping people move to um, paperless sort of assessment, and so sort of you know, people would use a lot of paper. People would use a lot of test centres, or, or, or you know, or, and so, you know they, they were used to doing things the old way, which is fine. But obviously, more and more people had to move to, to sort of move things online and, and, and sort of um, remotely and so on. Uh, and then COVID hit, and then suddenly 
people saying to us, uh, you know, when we want to do that over three years with you, we now do that in sort of the next five weeks. You know, so it's suddenly everything accelerated, uh, which I think, you know, was incredibly difficult time for us in one way because we had to sort of, you know, deliver and grow and and, and, and improve the product and add, add, add sort of features to, to help video remote assessment and, and so on, which, which, which we managed to do, managed to do. So, yeah, and that's been... That's been good. So we grew a lot during COVID. So, you know, we so the, the teams in, in Canada and Australia and the UK grew significantly. I think we would have at least doubled in size um, quite quickly, which, again, caused us, us issues in terms of, sort of scaling some of these ideas and understanding what we need to do. Um, but, yes, no, and I, hopefully that is down to, you know, the way we work uh, and the way we operate. Uh, I, I, don't, I honestly don't think it would have been as easy for us to respond so quickly without that sort of freedom and autonomy that people had to just suggest things, try things and, and start working with customers more quickly. I think if we'd have been more hierarchical, it would have taken a lot longer to get approval and, you know, we probably would have spent a lot longer and not being able to innovate quickly enough. Um, so I think that's, that's been really good for us. Excellent. And tell me, Zahid, what are your three top tips for a happy workplace? Uh, do you want the honest answer? I really don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> and I know this is like, you're, you're a company called Happy, but you, 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 you remove a whole bunch of other problems, right? So, you know, my, for me, it's like, okay, I would say, personally, freedom. You know, having freedom and autonomy is really important. Uh, and, I, and I imagine that's important for most people. And I think... I think it is. And I think a lot of people absolutely agree with that and they like that. The flip side of it is that, you know, all these things come at a cost. So if you have freedom and autonomy, that means that everyone in your organisation has freedom and autonomy. Um, and then if you're used to telling people what to do and, and uh, you know, you suddenly can't or if you, you know, so, so, it's, so, so it, it, I, I guess it's a slightly long-winded way of saying that you just make sure you've got the right sort of people. If you're a certain sort of organisation... And if you're a good fit for certain sort of people, it's great. But other people might not be that happy, you know, because they're they're not actually a good fit. And I'm not, and I'm and I don't even think that necessarily everyone wants freedom. And and it's, so it's not necessarily this. But for me, I, I think they do. I mean, when I talk to audiences, they all seem to want. They don't. Nobody likes being told what to do. No. But does everyone then like being in a company where you can't tell anyone what to do? You know, you know my, my philosophy is that, that you, people don't want complete freedom. They want freedom within guidelines. Yes. And it, it took us a while to discover that, Henry. And thank you to you and, uh, you know, and Kathy to help us navigate. So, you know, so, so, so that, that's exactly it. So what, I think what we sort of swung too far the other way in the early days um, people had a lot of freedom and they didn't really have any guidelines because we didn't really need them because there were only a few of us. And and that culture, I think, probably carried on a bit too far. And it's only when I started talking to you and sort of, you know, reading other books like you know, Frederick Laloux, you know, Reinvent the Organisation, I love that book, uh, Bert Sorg and Joster Block, you know, all the ideas contained in there. And I realised actually they have frameworks, you know, they have guidelines. Without that, it's just sort of, you know, it's 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 sort of chaos, you know. And that's what we spent quite a lot of time putting in place uh, and ensuring that people have those those guidelines within which to make make those decisions be free. You have to have some framework. I think that's that's one of the top lessons that, that we've realised. Um, so I think definitely that. I think, look, working in, a, in an organisation, a company that is actually trying to do something worthwhile in the world, you know, um, so actually helping train and, and educate people, 
to me personally seems like a really worthwhile thing too. I think everyone who works here does. Uh, you know, if I was working in some other, I don't know, gambling or some of the <laughs> some of the company it wouldn't be you know, I wouldn't be happy, maybe some people would be, but I just you know, so it's, it's basically you have to have a company that aligns with your your um, your your goals, I guess. Um being able to do what you enjoy, I think, is important. Or at least being able to see that what you're doing, even if you're not enjoying it in the moment, which let's face it, we all have to do, but you know that it's it's for something that is worthwhile or is something that will lead to you know enjoyment. So that and for me, uh, not having company politics, uh, not having you know this sort of climbing a hierarchy, you know that sort of thing is I think really important. I mean, I, I partly read. I don't know if you ever read bullshit jobs um, by uh, David Graeber, I think it is. It's fascinating, uh, and uh, you know, one thing he says is that essentially capitalism is supposed to be you know a really efficient deployment of resources and so on. And obviously, he's got a certain viewpoint. But if you start looking at uh, and, and trying to understand how how sort of like corporate organisations work, it's almost like a feudal hierarchy has been brought into a corporate organisation. It's really all about that, you know, and that's so it's not efficient at all, you know, and it's actually just feudal court politics, you know, and that's and I just just hate the idea of that, you know. So again, not having that uh, sort of you know, negative, I guess. Would, would I think make me happy and hopefully make other people happy as well okay well thank you very much Zahid that's been that's been a fabulous uh, fabulous session thank you Henry it was really good to hear the honesty and the authenticity of Zahid now it's the fact that he said it was not easy to implement any of these strategies, you know, when you want to change your organisation, it's difficult. So the whole thing of keeping with it is really important. But even at the end, when you talked about what your top tips and he said, I don't know, you know, <laughs> again, love that, you know, just being honest. Um, but what really stood out for me was the conversation about profit sharing, you know, where he, took, he was very brave in asking everybody about, what they think or how they think that the profit should be shared and they voted. And they've come to a point where everybody gets the same parata, but it's shared equally across. Well, what was interesting was obviously that um, the the salaries thing, um, that people chose their own, that people, that he, well, no, he, he looked at people choosing their own salaries, but they didn't actually, in the end, go with it. Now, at Happy, we we haven't done that, have we? We haven't done that. Um, what we've done at Happy is we have a democratically elected salary panel, which everybody votes for. Um, we then choose um, what what should be in the pot based on last year's uh, last year's profit and this this year's projected profit. We look at what should be in the pot, and everybody then votes on that. Um, and then people uh, put in their salary to the democratically elected salary panel, and I think that that works better. I mean, I don't know if there are any people who have adopted choose your own salary and i think ricardo semler did at some point and the i the, i think the idea there was that you would you would say what salary you wanted and then the team would decide whether you whether whether they take you on board with that oh okay all right so maybe we should put a shout out if anybody any organizations that have done that we'd love to hear from you you know to see how that works absolutely that would be good that would be good Okay, so check out happy.co.uk. At our podcast sites. And please leave a comment, share any ideas or anything that you would like to discuss. You know, And again, a shout out for anybody that, are, that has an organisation where you choose your own salary. We'd love to hear from you. So let's create happy workplaces. 